Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of We Just Haven't Met You Yet. I'm your host, Tyler Flabush, and this week we have another great episode with Keith Merkel, who is the Territory Service Manager for Tesla Energy in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, we discuss the Tesla renewable energy products, uh, the future of solar and renewable energy, and Keith's life in Australia. Um, as always, please remember to rate, subscribe, and review, and let me know what you think about the episode. And if you think you'd be great to come on the podcast, please let me know. Without further ado, here is Keith, and enjoy the interview. Uh, now I'd like to welcome to the program Keith Merkel. He is the Territory Service Manager at uh, Tesla and currently located in Melbourne, Australia. Keith, welcome to the program. G'day, everyone. Thanks, Tyler. I'm glad to be here. It's going to be really tough for me not to do a fake Australian accent. I really perfected it with the Australian Instagram models and uh, kind of mimicking them and how they talk. So that'll probably come out later in the episode. But uh, let's keep it at least informational for the first part. Um, Perfect. So tell me a little bit about your job and uh, how you got it moving over to Australia uh, working for Tesla. Perfect. Um, uh, that's that's a, a big question. I'll I'll start with uh, with uh, my my job for the moment. Um, what I do is I I manage a team uh, that that essentially fixes stuff. Um, uh, we've got technicians, electricians, um, and engineers that are the boots on the ground that actually work to keep the Tesla energy assets alive across Australia and New Zealand. Those energy assets are the, um, the power wall, which is a, a residential battery, power pack, which is a commercial battery, and then the superchargers, which is the essentially the petrol station or uh, gas station equivalent for uh, electric cars. Um, so we'll start there, I guess, and I guess if we want to dive into how we, how we landed here, there's a a bit more of a uh, an adventure yeah yeah all right so that uh the commercial energy did that just recently start or has tesla been doing the commercial energy for a while i did it, st it started with the residential energy kind of power walls didn't it or did the commercial mm -hmm. energy start first um i think they they kind of uh, i guess surfaced around around the same time the, the product is essentially the same. It is a, a lithium ion battery, which is also used in uh, the, the vehicles, the motors, um, which is scalable. So um, a power wall is just, you know, stacks upon stacks of those small lithium ion cell batteries. And then the power pack is, you know, uh, just a greater number, a larger, um, capacity, I guess. So same product. Um, and they're kind of rolled into the market around the same time, I think. Okay. I've been, like I told you before, when we were talking, I've been reading a lot about Australia and solar energy. So I'm excited to get into that, but I do want to bring it back a little bit, um, to your kind of career beginning. So you're a civil engineering major at Florida. Um, yes, were you always, was that, you're always going to be your major. Did you switch majors a few times? Was engineering your, your passion? Um, 
So I guess you could say I've always been technical, uh, you know, problem problem solving type type person. So I've I've been interested in in that um, path. Both of my parents were civil engineers, so I kind of just went into college to university with that in my mind. Um, and um, my interest has been in the construction, real estate development world for since you know I guess the early days. So. Um, that's kind of the the path that I I, I went down and uh, haven't looked back. I guess. Um, and then you worked for Highland Engineering and then uh, Brassfield and Gorey for a while. What were you doing with uh, Brassfield and Gorey, project manager? And then you were doing some virtual design stuff. That sounded pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so Brassfield uh, was the the first job out of out of out of college um, and um, I was still kind of trying to find my find my footing so I, I jumped around a, a couple of different roles uh, assistant project manager uh, was the was the first role and that was being on a project overseeing you know progress of of buildings being built essentially um, and then uh, spent some time as well doing some of the pricing of jobs, which is the pre-construction phase. And then uh, towards the end of it, I, I kind of felt like I was wanting to get into something a little bit more, I don't know if it was more technical or just unknown, cutting edge. It was the new technology and that's where my interest was, which was, uh, it's called VDC or BIM, which is the virtual design and construction. And um, what they do, what, what the role is, it's pretty widespread. You can use the, these tools, which are now pretty commonplace to um, model and coordinate the construction project in a virtual environment uh, prior to getting in the field and uh, building uh, whatever the building may be. So the, you know, the, the selling points or the benefits are things like uh, reduced conflicts um, of of uh, different trades that may be overlapping, and mm -hmm. um, and kind of preventing those. So you're so you're kind of hopefully you're building the project in a 3D environment before you get to the field, so everything goes smooth and there's no you know, flaws when you get there, which of course isn't always the the real case. But yes, yeah, so that's that's the direction I went with uh, with Brassfield for. Um, my first step is it, is it like in the superhero movies when they have like a big glass table and then the 3d design of the whole city comes up and you see all the different buildings and you can exactly. plan a whole meeting around that except in a mm -hmm. virtual area exactly, exactly. yes Very yes yes intuitive tyler mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> and then so from brassfield you take a little trip around the world to australia new zealand um mm -hmm maybe exploring, figure out the, maybe going to meet up with a young lady that uh -huh. you had yeah, met this, at some point. This is where the, the adventure begins. Um, yeah, so, so I, I worked with Brassfield for about four years. Um, at four years, I was able to get uh, my professional engineering license. So you have to test for that after four years of experience. So after I hit that, um, that marker, uh, took the test and Around the same time, classic story, met a girl um, who was also on her way to 
Australia, I was ready to, to take a plunge into doing something different. So I hopped on a flight and, and met her in Australia, did some uh, initial travels around to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it was, I was fresh out of a job, obviously. So I was, I was ready to, to explore and, and see some places I hadn't, hadn't, hadn't seen. Um, so I went around, we, we, we went to Japan, Southeast Asia, um, and worked our way, worked our way down back over a couple month period, came back to Australia and did a, you know, a, a few week road trip down the East coast. Um, they, I don't know if they have them in the U S but we, we took these, um, it's like, it's called a wicked camper van. It's like, uh, these, they're, they're pretty poorly like old kept camper vans but they've got yeah. these spray painted sides and i think like the side of our um camper van said like acid kings or something like that so you had to be be <laughs> nice. cautious of where you're where you're yeah. driving yeah so so we were going back down in the into, into melbourne and um i decided i i really liked it so um uh Christ, christina was only able to uh, you know, pay my expenses for so long. So that's, that's when the, uh, the interviews started to, to take place. So. Nice. Um, so how did, uh, was Tesla kind of a company that you were looking at working for? Was it, were you just looking at different engineering jobs that you'd be qualified for? Um, mm -hmm. how did, how did that come about? Is it just a classic story of you meet networking with somebody that was just an available job? Um, kind of funny, I guess. Actually, pretty funny. Um, so I initially went into, you know, what's, what's safe? What do I know? What's my experience? Um, there was a few uh, projects that were ongoing, like infrastructure. They're building these tunnels for, for train lines under the city. Um, and they're looking for someone to do some of the virtual design stuff. Um, I did some interviews and like, I eventually kind of was, was back and forth on a, on a couple roles, but was also very interested and have always been in the sustainability world and Tesla's office was, you know, two blocks away from where we were living. So same day I was doing some recruiter interviews. I, I walked, you know, cl you know, classics, wear my suit, you know, it, CV resume in hand, just walked into the, the motors showroom and, uh, and asked if they were hiring. So, <laughs> Wow. I, um, <laughs> so I, I, I ended up getting a job. The job was, um, not what I was aiming for. It was, uh, it was like a entry level, um, sales role in the motors team. So for cars, yeah. um, which I knew wasn't going to be long-term, but it, it, you know, they were, they were willing to, to hire me and, and put me on. So also were you like working in a store? Like when people came in and wanted to buy a car, you would like yeah. give them a test yeah. drive and then sell them a Tesla? That's it. Yeah, I was. I was. It's funny. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I was, um, it, it's also, it's, it was pretty not difficult, but it was another obstacle to kind of navigate was um, visa restrictions and people's willingness to hire without a, a long-term visa. Because I came over on a, a working holiday visa, which is temporary and for employers, obviously kind of a, a risk. So, so I signed on with a temporary contract. Um, and yeah, I was, I was in the showroom, you know, wearing my slick boots and <laughs> talking my, my English, uh, Southern twang and really wooing some customers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
would love to see some footage of that. <laughs> of you and I'm, sure. Cars. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there somewhere. All right. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, go ahead. All right. So from there, from there, uh, I, I spent three months probably doing that. Um, and I was pushing, I was pretty persistent in getting into the energy team, which is where, you know, my experience was and what I was actually interested in. Um, and so at three months, it was around Christmas and at the Christmas party, classic Christmas party um, shenanigans, I, I met my uh, now future boss at the, at the bar. Um, and he was, he's the service manager, my senior service manager of APAC, so Asia Pacific. Um, and he was like, yeah, come, come on board. Let's, uh, let's, let's set you up with um, some conversations uh, come January. So, so I switched into the energy team in, in January and have been growing with the team and kind of persistently pushing to take on more responsibility um, until now. So here we are. Nice. Um, all right, uh, Tess, uh, just about Tesla in general. This is Tesla's, I read online that Tesla's mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy and that the goal isn't really to be a car company uh, to accelerate the world's transition into using renewable energy and uh, cleaner energy and that they would be fine if, or they would be happy if American car companies started making cleaner cars and Tesla could transition out of making cars and the cars are just uh, more of a money-making operation. Would you say mm -hmm. that was, that would be accurate? Yeah, 100%. Um, thanks for the, the Tesla mission plug. Um, <laughs> accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. Yeah. Um, it's not, it, it's, it's pretty much, it's, it's said in like all of our meetings, all of our, our like external internal stuff. It's, it's, it's a bigger drive than um, than just having the the vehicles on the road. If you if you've heard or read about Elon, I'm sure everyone has heard some, some superficial stuff at, to some extent, and it's all kind of you got to kind of read between the lines on some things. But um, he's always you know from the beginning had a, a master plan. I'm air quoting, which was to to build a, a high high cost luxury vehicle. Um, initially, which would afford him some time and capital to uh, then roll out a, a cheaper, um, more affordable electric vehicle to the masses, um, to, which is kind of the stage in which we're at now. The, the Model 3 is you know, one of the highest selling electric cars, um, I think, in, in, the, in the globe right now. So, so that's, where, that's kind of the, the plan to, to, to get the, the company rolling. And, and I guess um, as auxiliary to that, um, the, the effort and the push to uh, dive into and invest in um, the sustainable infrastructure and coming up with solutions for the, the energy world is um, something that we're actively trying to do. And hopefully like the drive is to make the energy business over the next few years uh, equal in size, if not greater than the size of the motors business. Yeah. Um, just speaking of energy in Australia in general, in the past like 10 years, um, I was doing a little reading and I think Australia was kind of getting some flack internationally because it's so set up to 
have solar energy and uh, do well from solar energy with just the amount of sunlight it gets and the terrain of Australia. Um, and uh, recently, now they're, I think within the past five years, uh, top 10 in the world and uh, solar energy, 20% of the residential uh, houses have some sort of uh, solar energy system so I mean, what have you noticed you've been with tesla for a little over three years how have you noticed it the energy changing uh sustainable energy changing in australia specifically mm -hmm. um good question i think from the early days in australia so it's all been it's all been happening happening pretty rapidly like, around the world so the fact that i've <clears throat> i've only been i've been in australia for you know five years now I haven't got to see the changes as closely in other areas. So speaking to Australia's changes, um, there has been a lot of uptake. Um, the, 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 what they say is the solar penetration is high. Um, a lot of households will have solar panels installed on their houses. Um, it, it's, it's kind of commonplace to, to see them. Um, but <clears throat> one of the, I think, something that kind of triggered some global appeal was was when uh the there was that you know infamous elon and mike cannon brooks uh bet on twitter about the um to to install a, the, the world's largest battery in south australia so that that kind of gained, gained some spotlight for for the country and um the trajectory the the new norm in which they were trying to achieve i guess but but it definitely took some some government uptake like um it's it's not not to say that australia is perfect but there there are there are, you know some states that are that are that incentivize it enough to make the um the solar for for residential customers for homeowners uh, affordable i guess um on a pretty rudimentary level how does how does solar energy work Good question. Good question. Um, I was wondering if, if we were going to get to get to explore the, the science of solar, uh, which I'm not. I'm, I wasn't my major, nor, nor yeah. do I think I'm an expert, but I'll do my best because I know there's a lot of people that probably know less than I do. Um, <clears throat> so solar, I mean, everyone kind of, kind of gets the concept. Uh, it, solar energy, you, you have solar panels, um, which are typically on a roof. Um, absorb sunlight and the the materials inside the solar panels are able to capture or harness that that energy um, that energy then routes itself into uh, an inverter on the side of your house that inverter changes the energy from uh, dc power direct current to alternating current which all your household appliances would use and then um your whatever your loads may be at the time will then be using solar energy so if you had your dishwasher on or a kettle or you know your lights then um, so long as the sun is in in the air and producing solar energy on your roof um, those appliances would be powered by that solar energy and then if you have unless you have something like a tesla power wall you could only use the energy when the sun's out but the purpose of the tesla power wall is to store the energy for when the sun's not out 
and you can use that energy that's stored there to power your house and other things. Brilliant, brilliant. Yes. Um, so you're nailing it. Um, so the, yes, the, the, the battery is, uh, the, the power wall is the residential battery, which stores the, um, the solar energy or just energy in general um, for, for use when, when the sun's not available. Um, so if, for example, you, uh, if you were at home during the day and using just a small amount of power, that solar would power your lights, let's say throughout the day, and any excess power that you weren't using would go into the battery and store itself up, charge itself up during the day. So as the sun goes down, no more solar energy to power your lights, the battery kicks in and starts to power your appliances for when you know, you're coming home from work and everyone's starting, you know, putting the laundry on and doing all their normal activities. So the battery comes in and I guess is the, comes in and is the afternoon uh, energy bucket that, that keeps your, your house going through the night. Um, I did an interview with a company uh, a while ago that is called the energy authority in Jacksonville. And they basically, if one utility company, they, they represent public utility companies. If one utility company produces more energy and another utility company hasn't produced enough for their city or town or province mm -hmm. or whatever, then they could trade and it facilitates trading energy between different utility partners. Um, mm -hmm. I assume that there's something where if you produce solar energy more than you need for your house so you can sell it back to the utility company or something like that as a residential owner mm -hmm. um, yes how, do, how does that work um so on on its it, it gets it can get pretty complicated but on it on its on its simplest form uh, it, and like an easy um it if you didn't have a battery for example and you weren't at home during the day when the solar you know is producing energy then it wouldn't be used by your home. So it would be pushing back out into the grid for, for whoever else on the grid may be using energy at that time. Um, <clears throat> uh, so that's pretty, pretty straightforward. The, 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 um, the return on, on investment side of things starts getting complicated though when you start to think you're paying for energy from um, from the from the grid at say 25 cents per kilowatt hour, um, but when you go and you produce a kilowatt hour on your on your house and you try to sell it back to the grid, you're only making you know pennies two three four four cents for that same kilowatt hour that that you just you just bought for 25 cents. They're only um, buying back for you know pennies on the dollar. <clears throat> What would the return on investment be like for the customer to sell the energy back to the city grid. or yeah, grid? Yeah, yeah. Um, good, good question, Tyler. Um, so, uh, to to on a, I guess for the overall return on investment for for a solar um, system, you'd have to look at a couple things. Uh, you know, the first thing being is how much energy uh, electricity you're using in your household um, on a daily basis and when you're using it because obviously if you only have solar you want to be using that power when the solar is providing the energy um, the the i guess com 
complicated part gets to be um, what you're mentioning around selling back energy to the grid or to the utility provider is um, what, what you pay for energy for um, a single you know, kilowatt hour of energy from, from the utility provider would be you know, 25 cents per kilowatt hour. But what you're producing and, um, and maybe not using in your house and you want to sell that back to the grid, you, they're only paying you um, you know, pennies on the dollar, two, three, four, five cents for that same kilowatt hour that they're charging you 25 cents. Um, so, so it makes, it makes the, um, uh, I guess the having that additional solar, um, isn't as, um, effective to sell to the grid. So there's another, another driver for trying to store that energy, capture it, and then using it at your home so that, you're no longer having to rely on the high priced energy that you're, you're buying from, from the grid. Um, in turn, I guess it also depends on how much energy you're using and when you're using it, but just as an estimate, how uh, affordable or how soon is the break even point? Would you guess mm -hmm. if somebody wanted to install a solar roof? Yeah. It, def it definitely varies. It's, it's a super common question and there's no, um, one size fits all, um, answer for everyone, just depending on, like you said, when people are using energy and what their, um, costs are for that energy. But I'd say, you know, roughly seven to 10 years. Um, it, it also depends on how high end you're trying to make this installation, um, and, and what you're doing with it. But I'd say that's, that's pretty, a common rough estimate for, for people to get a gauge on, on, um, on what they're, what they'd be investing in. Um, another thing that, that people, another driver that, that people, um, use to, uh, to invest in, in these types of things is, um, one, having that assurance that you can provide your own energy. You're not reliant on someone else to, um, to buy power from. So um, an example of that is if uh, a, there's a grid outage, if you know, a, a hurricane comes through, takes out your neighborhood, and you've got a solar system plus a battery, um, your system, your home can um, break from the grid and essentially uh, power itself. So you don't even notice that the power is out, you're maintaining life like normal. Um, so there's, so there's a, there's a couple, I guess, drivers for people to, to have interest in, in wanting to, to invest in solar. And, and I guess that's, that's just one of them. Another, another cost thing that you should be aware of in, in purchasing is any government or tax incentives, um, cause that would probably play pretty heavily into that return on investment period. Yeah. Uh, are there cities or municipalities in Australia that have tried to have the kind of city produce the grid using solar energy mm -hmm. as opposed to just having individual uh, consumers or residents uh, do it? Yeah, so there's, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a couple interesting pro uh, projects and I guess it, it gets, it, this is when you get commercial and industrial grid level stuff, it starts to get a little bit more complicated because you have um, sustainable or renewable energy um, 
generators, I guess, uh, that are uh, putting energy into the system that customers are ultimately using, but it's a mix. It's a, it's a very small fraction of a mix between some wind that's being used, some hydropower that's being used, and a lot of cheap, dirty coal, coal that is being used. Um, coal fire power plant is obviously the most common and you know, one of the largest producers um, of, of energy. Um, so, so, so cities are, they have that mix kind of by just, that's this the, the baseline, what is being used. There's like a, uh, a composition of, of, of a multiple sources of that energy. Um, but cities are, you know, they're getting smart and investing in um, different projects, which, which try to bring the cost down for their consumers. Um, again, back to, to pointing to that, that one, uh, the project in South Australia, the, the Hornsdale Power Reserve. Um, that was an effort from the city, you know, in, in conjunction with the developer uh, to, to bring the cost down for, for their, their customers. The, the reason that the costs were high for the customers is because the, the grid was unreliable. So the people in, in South Australia were experiencing um, some blackouts and the, the cost of power was just um, very high to maintain the energy infrastructure stability in South Australia. So a battery, one of the big benefits of batteries is providing that stability to the grid to be able to, well, reduce the, the chance of, of blackouts or brownouts and, um, and keep the, the running costs of uh, electrical infrastructure really down. So since that's been installed, there's, it's, it's been regarded super highly. All, a lot of governments around the country, um, statewide uh, are, and, and on a national level are looking at or they've been always looking at renewable options, but at storage um, solutions as a um, investments of their for their um, municipalities. I don't know if that was a roundabout answer to your question. Yeah, no, that is. Um, do you th what do you, what do you think? See, as like the the next like five to ten years of renewable energy and solar and where is it going and like mm -hmm. the kind of the new technologies and the way it's being used and being uh, adopted by both commercial and uh, residential and industrial consumers. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a good question. Hope I'm hopeful that, you know, there's, there's, um, there's progression in, in the industry. I think, I think that there is um, uh, the cost of um, PV uh, or solar cells and the materials will continue to uh, grow down. Uh, the uh, availability of products and options for um, supply will go up. Um, Tesla is, is in the mix of that, starting to um, create their own solar roof tiles. So, so there'll be lots of tech, tech, technology improvements and price will continue to go down. Um, it has to reach a point where it is uh, cost competitive to other um, energy options for it to be, you know, for it to kind of reign supreme, though. Um, until then, there will need to be some, you know, uh, there'll be, need to be government support to, to kind of push the, the movement over the, over the edge 
um, because right now it's a lot of it's a lot of you know grassroots and bespoke or custom type projects that are really kind of gaining the limelight like again the Hornsdale Power Reserve the largest battery in the world you know a couple of years back was spurred off of a of, off of a Twitter you know bet from from two people that aren't in government so, yeah. so like it it, it needs it, it needs some push but there I think there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of potential for for solar and renewables you know here in the next five ten years um what would you do you see like a lot of differences between the way solar like just energy in general and from the united states and australia um so one thing one thing i i think i noted uh when i when i first came over here was uh that u.s consumers including myself don't really see or realize the costs of energy because it's so reliable um in the u.s we have um the the infrastructure of our our grid is is so robust that we just kind of go through life and don't have a you know reaction to to the the energy usage you have you know it's it's very cheap it never fails and there's no real reason on a day-to-day basis for people to talk about other options or solutions as an improvement whereas in australia there are areas where prices are consistently high and um, people on lower wages, you know, can't afford energy. So it, it becomes, it, it is a more frequented topic of conversation in Australia um, around, you know, how are we going to, to bring power prices down and what are we doing to, to transition to, to the future? So I, I think, in, uh, and it also probably could do with, you know, who's in, who's in command at, at the particular time. But I think that there has been, there's just more day-to-day frequent conversation around renewables in, in my life since, since being in Australia that I, that I saw than while I was in the U S. <clears throat> yeah. I think uh, there have been recently less probably government subsidies depending on where you are, but like at least federally um, if the new regime uh, and it feels like maybe in the United States, with a lot of the people adopting the solar and more renewable energies, maybe for uh, social beliefs and in mm-hmm. Australia might be more economical. If you live in a certain mm-hmm. area where costs are high, you can probably save some money if you yeah. eventually go off the grid in the United States. It doesn't seem like there's that. I know in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. you can't even sell power back to the sell power back on the yeah. grid so mm-hmm. you whatever you produce uh you just keep it you have, you, to, you just, you have you, to use it yourself use it um, or lose it yeah or get a <laughs> giant battery where you can store it that's but right, uh yeah right. there's just not it doesn't feel like uh in the u.s there's with what you described in australia there's the um finance as much financial incentives and mm-hmm. uh the power is just so cheap here and so reliable mm-hmm. that you really don't hear it as much right um, mm-hmm. that's down there. exactly um in terms exactly of uh just the current state of things with coronavirus how, how does that change your your day-to-day job are you still going out and helping service batteries and um yeah yeah that's, that's a good question um it's obviously impacted the the full globe so um australia no different um 
as a country, Australia, I think, got off on the right foot in terms of um, some restrictions and isolating people rather quickly. Um, as a you know, as as a population, they're pretty small, but um, the percentage of impacted people is is you know minuscule. I think compared to some of the hard hit countries like you know in Europe and uh, Middle East, and obviously in the U.S. as well, but. Um, we're still having to do the same thing. We're still having to isolate and um, come up with solutions for our teams who are considered essential to uh, continue work. So um, there was, you know, an initial period, which kind of is still ongoing, which is a bit of a huddle. And, you know, how do we, how do we continue to work effectively and safely in this new environment and um, continue to keep things working? Because you're completely right the the my team is is responsible for you know attending customers houses and attending commercial project sites to make sure that those batteries are you know continue to deliver what they what they were sold for so so they're still they're still out and about on a, on a daily basis making sure that um, things are continuing to run keeping the lights on nice um You've been with me for a while today, so don't want to take up too much of your time. I uh, just want to go over some just general uh, Australia questions. Um, perfect, perfect. Yeah. What do you, uh, what would you say are main day-to-day differences between life in Australia and America that you've experienced? Maybe some things you like better about Australia, maybe some things you miss about the United States and like better about the U.S.? Oof. All right. Um, uh, good question. It's, it's obviously one that gets brought up um, quite a bit. Um, some of the things, maybe I'll, I'll start with Australia. Um, yeah. Some of the things that are, are really good in Australia. Um, well, when I, when, I, when I left, this one was alarming to me. When I left the U.S., there was still like a, a requirement to use the, like, um, the chip insert card thing in the slot, slide. And I don't know if that's still huge, huge there, but I know the transition is definitely moving. In, the, uh, in Australia, I came and I was just like automatically just jaw drop with the ability to just tap your credit card on the um, you know, pay receipt thing. And yeah, just, anyways, I thought that one was good. Um, <laughs> that is good. There's like barely any places you can do that here. Yeah, I just, can, I just always picture like the CVS receipts that like continue to print and print and print in the, but anyways, right. um, the, the quality of life is, uh, is, is, is really good here. Um, the crime, crime rates pretty low. Um, that, so that's, those are, you know, obviously living wise things that, you know, you, you like, you like to hear about, um, coffee is, is like, um, top notch, I guess it's, it's regarded, um, in, in Australia very highly. So, Everyone in Australia loves loves their loves their coffee, in particular in Melbourne. Um, yeah, so I'm, I kind of turned into a bit of a coffee snob. But nice. um, it's funny the the, um, the first Mick Cafe was was um, was started in in Melbourne in Australia. Which is, uh, did you know? That's a fun um, fact. I'll put that in my yeah, mind. and then <laughs> for later. and then uh, yeah, that's for later. Uh, I like the fact that there's. So minimum, so, so there's no tipping, so we don't have to tip, um, and uh, taxes are built into the price you see on the shelf everywhere. Like it's a it's a requirement. 
That's I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Those are some, those are some positives. Um, U.S. side, obviously, um, love the home country. Um, the the <clears throat> the bottomless brunch ability um, in the U.S. is it's just not it's not understood and, and replicated in in Australia. They've got great brunch. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the, the, the bottomless factor, they give you like two, mm. two mimosas and then expect you to leave. So, you know, cool. yeah. Um, sports can't be kind of compared in the U S there's, you know, nonstop anywhere you go, you've got, you know, some type of professional, um, sport going on and, you know, in Melbourne, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of regarded for the sports, but it's just kind of, it's just not the same. Um, so, uh, another thing, U S uh, token, um, big positive in my book, um, being able to turn right on a red light, um, not, not a thing here. So, um, uh, that's, that's big. <laughs> that is big. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I was just thinking, uh, Melbourne's a pretty international city, but do you, how often are you like talked about just because of your accent? Like immediately is like a talking point. Like, where are you from? is that like just um, constantly all day long if i like yeah. encountered somebody when i lived in new york like i had a couple you know a couple of people that had australian accents and it's just like mm. you just want to just talk to them yeah. and have them say stuff i i feel like people don't <laughs> think about the american accent the same way they're like yeah, yeah you're just like an american that's like a lame accent but i don't know do you ever get like how often is like the accent a point of conversation like where are you from like you talk funny it's pretty it's pretty frequent yeah and then and then they just expect that i've just moved because I, ha I haven't been able to like uptake any any like aussie slang that well i think it's like other people can can you know change their voice pretty quickly but i've, I've got like this my whatever my twang is is just like so ingrained that i can't I can't like shake it out of me. So, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that pretty much every, every conversation from at least the first time you meet is like, Oh, you know, where, where are you from? And they, and they initially, they, they don't want to offend you. So they, they kind of take a gamble and they, they guess Canada more often than not actually. <laughs> That's great. Uh huh. So, um, so now I, I explained to them, I'm from Florida. You know, I ask them, Oh, have you seen Tiger King? So yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I was wondering if Florida has the pristine reputation down there as it does in the United States. Um, no, 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 no. I, I th everyone, you know, people, I think, think of it as a, as a destination. Um, so it's, they, they definitely, they get, they get the jokes when, when I'm, you know, kind of present them and I kind of bring light to the, the, the funniness of it. But um, no, it's a, it's a destination. Nice. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate our time with you. Um, this was great. Very informative. Wonderful. I definitely came out of this knowing a lot more about the energy world and renewable energy world uh, than I came into it with. I know all our fans and listeners are going to really enjoy it. Uh, and we look forward to your inevitable return, whenever that is, post-COVID-19 to the United States. Uh, so thank you very much for, for joining us today. Beautiful. At, thank you. Thank at you eight so in the morning, no less. It is fourteen That's hour right. time That's difference. That's right. Just just had a nice yoga session. Just had my coffee. I'm ready to go. Wow. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Tyler. We'll um we'll see you stateside soon. All right. Good day, mate. Cheers, all.